Tonight's episode of Wayward Stories is brought to you by Yippie Kayo Kayaks, River Outfitters located in Broken Bow, Oklahoma, SurvivalFeeling.com, and you, our listeners. I looked at that rock and I said, so you, you are the bastard that takes me down. What is up, all of you wayward souls? Welcome back to the Wayward Stories podcast. This is the podcast dedicated to telling your stories of adventure in the great outdoors. And we're still looking for those submissions. If you've got a cool story, a trip story, a legend trip, anything you may have done out there that you would like to share with the rest of us, hit us up at mywaywardstory at gmail.com. Get that thing submitted and we will get it on the air. So happy to have you guys back. I'm excited legitimately sincerely mean that i am excited to be making this show is a long time long time in the making a long time dream i am enjoying doing it every single week and i'm really enjoying watching the downloads climb watching people catch on seeing people start to to um suggest it to their friends i hope you will all do the same um all of that helps us to keep making this show. The more popular we can get, the more likely we are to continue producing the show. I am super excited um, and very humbled to be doing this and happy to be doing this. So thank you all. Um, y'all bear with me tonight. I can't breathe. Um, I have a brand new delivery wagon at work and it broke down at 2,800 miles the other day. So now I'm in this crap can of a Freightliner from 1996 with like 500,000 miles on it or something like that. And I can't breathe because it has an exhaust leak, diesel engine with an exhaust leak right into the cab. And my head hurts. I can't breathe. You might think that OSHA would have something to say about that. They probably would. Just saying, just saying. But if you think big purple cares, you would be wrong. Anyway, it may take me, um, I may have to take some pauses to get some air tonight. Um, So bear with me as we work through that. And I have one little last piece of housekeeping. Last week's episode, we talked about the dehydrated woman that we met on the trail. And during that part of the story, I mentioned that there was a thought process behind us giving her most of our water. And that I would touch on it later. And then ultimately never came back and touched on it later. Many of you astute listeners probably caught that. So I do want to go over that thought process because there's a learning, um, a learning possibility to learn something here and why we made that decision. Um, the reason we made the decision was number one, she was obviously in dire straits. So the situation, it was really only a question of either our trip ends now because we don't have enough water to drink. She's getting our water. That is not in question. So either our trip ends now. Or we find a way to work around that. And this is the part that is the um, learning opportunity. And that is that we gave her three of the four bottles of water we had left. Why? It was late in the afternoon. It was going to be dark very soon. We were going to lose very little water, if any at all, over the course of the night. You know, other than just generally burning it off as your body metabolizes things and we were going to be hiking out early in the morning before the heat of the day that's part a of the thought process that alone probably enough to get us by but part b this is kind of the ringer 
I have a life straw in every single pack that I own. I have multiple packs. I have my my two day um, search and rescue bag. I have like a day trip bag that's kind of kitted out for search and rescue as well for short trips or short searches close to base camp. Um, and I use it multi-use. I use it for day hikes. I have a river bag. I have bags for everything. Every single one has a life straw in it for situations that could arise just like this one. That was part B of the thought process and what sealed the deal. If we get too thirsty, we are camped right down here, a quarter of a mile from the Buffalo River, which has got pristine, you know, water quality anyway, or a quarter of a mile from Hemden Hollow um, Creek. So we had water because we had a live straw, no matter what, if we got into a quote unquote desperate situation. And I'm not plugging live straw. They have a multitude of competitors. As long as it's of equal quality and does the same thing, get something equivalent to a live straw or a live straw and carry it in your pack. They're 20 bucks or less. No reason for you not to have one. I've used one on multiple occasions, but that's not what tonight's show is about. I just wanted to touch on an oversight, something I missed out of last week's episode. So that is it for housekeeping tonight. Let's move on to this week's trip. Where are we going for this week's trip? We are going to the Washita Mountains of Southeast Oklahoma into the Washita National Forest. Why are we going there? Well, the Washita Mountains and the Washita National Forest are the epitome of wilderness. Now, there's some, you know, habitation throughout them, but very little. There are sections of the Washita National Forest just in Oklahoma. It covers southeast Oklahoma into western Arkansas. There are portions in southeast Oklahoma that have less than one person per hundred square miles. It's mostly national forest land with very little private land dotted in. Unlike the Ozarks, which are mostly private land with a little bit of national forest peppered into the landscape. This is the exact opposite. It is full of places to hunt, places to fish, places to hike. There are lakes, state parks, float streams, trout streams, smallmouth streams. Um, OHV trails, there is so much to do in the Washita National Forest. It is compromised of 1.8 million acres, like I said, in southeast Oklahoma and southwest Arkansas. Most of it's in Arkansas, the vast majority. Um, and they are a little bit unique in that they are east to west running mountain range. The Rockies, Canada to Mexico, right? Or Appalachians, they also run from north to south, um, far northeast United States into the southern United States. But the Washita Mountains run east to west, and it is somewhat unique. And if you are a nerd such as myself, there is some very interesting things to read up about the um, geology and how the Washita Mountains were created. But most people listening to this show aren't nerds like me, so we're going to skip that for tonight and move on to things that interest you. Um, Combined with the Ozarks, we talk a lot about the Ozarks so far in the first 13 episodes. We've talked about the Ozarks a few times. Um, They're to the north of the Arkansas River Valley. The Washita's are to the south of the Arkansas River Valley. And these two combined compromise what is known as the United States Interior Highlands. These are going to be, these are the highest mountain peaks, also the highest waterfalls, the highest sheer bluff faces between the Rockies and the Appalachians. And we've talked about several of those places already, but some pristine wilderness in both. Um, and just 
just a plethora, a plethora of things for you to do, um, to get out and recreate doing. If you enjoy it, it's there somewhere. Just got to do a little research to find out where. Um, why are we going there tonight? Why are we going to the Washita Mountains for tonight's trip? Well, last weekend, I went down to the Mountain Fork River. The Mountain Fork River is a Class 2 canoe and kayak river. It's got four miles of Class 2 plus rapids just below Broken Bow Dam, below Broken Bow Lake in Beaver's Bend State Park. And there's five miles of flat water after the four miles of Class 2 plus whitewater. It's a very popular float river, um, and it's a pretty reliable float river because it depends on the hydroelectric generation of the Broken Bow Dam. So they know when they're going to generate, and they let the outfitters know that they're going to generate. And then the outfitters can announce to the world through Facebook and Instagram and their website, we're going to be floating this weekend. Make your reservations now. And everyone knows you can expect you can know what flow rate to expect, as a matter of fact. So it works out really, really well. Um, so I went this last weekend because I really needed a freaking weekend, y'all. My world is chaotic. I know y'all know what I'm talking about because y'all's worlds are chaotic. Y'all, we're living in the 2020s. Everything is chaos these days. We're way too busy. We're way too invested in our phones. We're way too invested in doom scrolling. Like... Life is definitely not as simple as it once was, though we do have a lot of great things working in our favor from a hundred years ago, like polio vaccines and things like that. You know, there's a trade-off, but for all the chaos that there is, I needed a minute. So I went down to the Mountain Fork River with the uh, intention of checking out their class two plus whitewater and also the trout and smallmouth fishing. Been a lot of years since I've been down there. I grew up again, in southeast Oklahoma, first 20 years of my life, in the northern reaches of the Washita Mountains, trolling all over those mountains, and even grew up going down to Broken Bow Lake um, at a different time in history some 20 years ago, and it was a whole different world down there back then. But we would camp up on the creek arms in the lake, and we would crappie fish and bass fish throughout the spring. Um, it was a great time, but this is a whole different world now. And this below the river or below the lake on the river is different than what I did back then. Um, and much more fitting to the things I love in this world today. Um, I mean, come on, we're talking this kind of like the mulberry. We got smallmouth and we got whitewater all in one trip. So that's what I went for this last weekend. So we're going to talk about this little adventure on the river. Um, and we're going to talk about the Mountain Fork River specifically and its rapids by rapid. There's only a few sets of rapids, and we're going to talk about them and describe them specifically. And then we're going to talk about my running of these rapids and the fish that were found therein, amongst other things. Um, let's go over this list of rapids real quick. This list of rapids comes from AmericanWhitewater.org. And this is also the website you're going to want to go to. If you want to float on the lower mountain fork river below Broken Bow Dam, um, because they have the current flow rates, like the only place I could find a current flow rate and a good description of the flow rates. And this is what I checked moving into the weekend so that I would know if we were going to get to float or not. Um, so the difficulty is considered on the lower mountain fork river, Southeast Oklahoma as class one to two plus 
that depends on the flow rate. This thing actually ekes up into class four when it gets to certain flow rates. I mean, we're talking getting into territory. You better know what you're doing or stay off the river. Um, the length of this section is 3.2 miles. This is where all these rapids are. And the average gradient is it's dropping 10 feet per minute. The flow range is anywhere from 300 CFS to 2000 CFS. For us, on Saturday, all the people I put in with, the group that we fell in with, um, we had 1,080 CFS. It was right dead center of the range of what is floatable and also what is considered the best floating level. The rapids tend to be in some of their best ranges around 1,000, and we were just above that. So that worked out pretty good. This is the river description from AmericanWhitewater.org. Located in extreme southeastern Oklahoma, the lower Mountain Fork River below the Rerag Dam is a popular summer recreation spot. Water quality is clear, with water temps kept at or below 70 degrees to support a healthy trout population. They are mistaken about that. They're not kept below 70 degrees. They just are below 70 degrees because it's coming out of the bottom of a huge lake, a very deep lake. Um, and as such, it supports a healthy trout population, and trout are stocked there, and very good fishing. So... When you put in underneath, below, beneath the Rerag Dam, you will not see any signs of modern development until you come to the old iron bridge at the takeout for the actual whitewater part. You can go on another four to five miles with certain outfitters. They offer differing um, packages of how you can float it. There's some really interesting ones where you can do the rapids twice. They'll take you back up and you can run them again for ultra ultra reasonable prices y'all we're talking 30 to 50 bucks for a whole day's worth of kayaking it's incredible on busy weekends during the day you'll most likely see and this is again from american whitewater you'll most likely see plenty of rental carnage <laughs> with the rock garden shoot and presbyterian falls area being some really good places to kick back and watch the show yeah there was a lot of carnage um Minimum flows in the 120 to 200 CFS range make this section popular with beginners, but it will be really bony in spots, especially through the rock garden. Releases that are usually scheduled late in the afternoons during the hotter months can change the character of the river quickly and dramatically, and in drier months of the year, flows above 120 CFS depend upon the number of hydroelectric power generators, there are two, that are running and for how long they have been running. Generally speaking, one generator running for three hours can produce roughly 500 to 1,000 CFS, slowly dropping after crest. This is dependent upon how much water was behind the re-reg dam prior to release. Two generators for a similar period can produce two to 3,000 CFS. At flow rates of 2,000 plus, the river exceeds Class 2 ratings and runs should not be attempted by paddlers without at least strong intermediate whitewater skills. Longer generation times will result in higher peak flows with extended two generator releases easily producing flows of 4,000 to 7,000 CFS. High flow rates typical of extended two generator releases can produce nasty hydraulics, pushy water conditions, and dramatically increased chances for pinned boats, especially true for open canoes without flotation, which can easily be wrapped and broken. Long swims, lost equipment, and plenty of other hazards. Routes can become difficult to find. Winding up in flooded timber is possible. 
class four rating given at high levels to reflect these consequences. This is especially true in the chute and the ledges section just above Presbyterian Falls. And the keeper home that forms at Presbyterian Falls is very, very dangerous. You guys that are just everyday weekenders on the kayaks and the canoes. Now, this is jumping out, out of the story here. This is me talking. You need to familiarize yourself with keeper holes. Like, there are a lot of people that are not into whitewater kayaking that do not understand a lot of things about the river, but we would go out. I did it for years and years before I knew a lot of this stuff. And you rent your kayak, and the outfitters put you on the water, and nobody warns you about anything. Maybe if there's a low-water bridge crossing, hey, be ready for this, and portage, you know, stream left, river left, whatever. But other, no one's, like, teaching you this stuff before you go out. But there are very real, very serious situations you can get into in these rivers that we run all the time and don't think anything about. You need to look up, research, and understand keeper holes and what they are. Because, I mean, they're called keeper for a reason. They keep you. Like, they don't, they don't give you back until someone takes you back or the river recedes. It's a very serious situation, and there is a keeper hole at certain levels that develops below Presbyterian Falls here on the Lower Mountain Fork River, and that's what they're talking about. That's why I'm pointing it out. Research it. So, the very first rapid you will come to after put in below the Rereg Dam is going to be the Boulder Garden. The Boulder Garden has several ledge drop waterfalls, small, short waterfalls, and a couple of tight turns at medium flows that require some quick maneuvering. At flows of 400 to 2,000, there are a few small play spots here. Rock Garden washes out under a two-generator release. Um, the second rapid you will come to, actually, the second rapid you come to, you have to make a choice. It's either the ledges or the chute. You can go river left to the chute, river right to the ledges. We're going to go over the ledges first, and then we're going to talk about the chute. So the ledges class two plus they are 0.8 miles in length this route is an alternative to the chute and runs parallel to it stay to river right after the rock garden to run the ledges the ledges are very bony at low levels and not really worth the trouble at levels less than 400 at levels above 400 the action picks up and offers technical rapids ledges and pour overs at higher levels several good surf spots and play holes develop there are three main rapids and numerous smaller ones in this section at first this route winds through boulders small islands cypress trees cypress knees and low-hanging limbs it is very scenic once you get through that stuff, you will come to a small rapid to the right that will flatten out some before the next drop. The cross currents in this area can be a little tricky at higher flows. The first main rapid is 1100 Springs. Enter to the right, down the ledge, avoid the boulders, and then make a quick left to go through the wave train. Good surf spots at levels above 1000, but can be played at 400 plus. This is a good place to learn how to surf at medium levels. The water flattens out again there, and there will be several rapids coming in from the left. At the right levels, there are some small holes, rapids to play in. Another good learning spot. Next is the rapid above Bubba. Nice waves form over 1,000. Stop and surf a while. Quick ferry to River Right will put you on the line for Bubba. Go just to the right of the large boulders, or you can continue straight down the wave train and over the ledge left above it for a more technical run. Try not to swim here. Yeah, obviously, you know what that means. Try to stay in the boat. 
don't lose the boat. This is not a good place to lose the boat. Bubba is the hole below the pour over on the last ledge before Presbyterian Falls, and it's a popular play spot. At low levels, the hole is deep and not very friendly. At 400 plus, it can provide quite a lot of action. Lots of submerged rocks in this area. Use caution. Now, we're going to go over the chute, which is the alternative to going river right. This is if you choose river left, the chute, class 2, distance 1 mile. Stay to river left to run the chute, a tight, fast chute dropping 15 feet in a third of a mile. This can be bony at minimal water levels, but picks up to be nice class 2 at levels between 300 and 2,000. Quick maneuvering can be necessary to avoid several hazards. Low-hanging tree in the middle of the first drop can be very hazardous at high levels. Stay to the left. Watch for cypress knees throughout the chute as well. Probably one of the biggest hazards to be encountered here are the pinned-up and unmanned rental boats and the swimmers, people who have lost their rental boats. If you don't feel like messing with any of this, then go down the other side of the ledges. Far fewer renters will go that way. Then you can eddy out on the right at the end of the chute before running Presbyterian Falls, or you can paddle back up to the right to access Bubba. Understand this about the chute. There are bodies everywhere and kayaks everywhere. And when you exit the chute, you're at Presbyterian Falls. Three foot drop, it's there. You don't have much time to reset. So be ready when you exit the chute, paddle back up a little bit and get you um, a space to Shake off the adrenaline you just got from running the shoot because it was awesome. And reset and get ready to go and run the falls. Next fall, Presbyterian Falls. It is a class two, a distance of 1.3 miles from put-in. This river-wide ledge with a three-foot drop is a popular summer hangout. Run it down the middle. Parking's available to access the feature. A ported trail on the left runs the entire length of the chute to access the top of the chute. Like you could just keep going up and back and up and back. I wish I'd known that while we were there because I would have several times. From the end of the portage trail at the top of the chute, you can also paddle upriver on relatively flat water 500 feet or so to access the ledges. Notice, a keeper hydraulic forms at the falls at levels somewhere between 2,000 and 4,000 CFS. And this last one isn't so much a rapid, but more of an obstacle, um, something to pay attention to. At 2.8 miles, there's the leaning tree. Beyond Presbyterian Falls, the river widens, flatten out, and flattens out and runs fairly straight for about a mile and a half. Then it becomes channelized and it splits around an island at lower levels. Run right of the island through the wide shallow channel. At the end of this channel, there is a leaning cypress tree in the middle of the chute that has pinned, wrapped, and broken many canoes and has caused quite a lot of problems for the unsuspecting boater. The higher the river level, the greater the chances for problems here. Most will run the narrow passage to the left of this tree. Whichever route you choose, make your decision as soon as you see the tree and stick to it. Last minute indecision here will likely lead to an unpleasant encounter with the old cypress tree. Note, the island mentioned above will flood out at levels above 2,000, making the route somewhat more difficult to find. Strainers can be a big problem if you somehow end up in here when this area is flooded. We were at 1,080. And it was kind of hard to pick your channel at a thousand. It wasn't flooded out into the trees, but like you've got a lot of decisions to make in there, which channel to take. And you don't know what to expect. There might be a strainer right in the middle of the channel you choose. 
we ended up choosing the right channel as it turned out. And that was great for everyone, but like, just be aware it gets a little bit funky. Um, and you got to be on your toes. We chose river, right? You're supposed to choose, right? They tell you to, we chose river, right? Um, and actually ended up staying further left than we should have. Um, and we ended up being okay, but it got pretty tight for a minute into a really fast little channel. And had there been a blowdown from the storm that happened the previous week, you know, it could have been a real situation. Like this is one of those things you can't scout it beforehand. You go in, you pick a channel and that's it. You have to hope for the best on that channel. Um, cause there's no way, even if you had say a kayak you could stand up on or you could get out and walk around you can't really walk around and access this in any way shape or form to know what to expect on whichever channel you choose so you just kind of you kind of got to go you know blow and go pick one and go um so that is from americanwhitewater.org that is the more technical descriptions of the three rapids in the class two whitewater section of the lower mountain fork river and after we take a quick break to take a word from our sponsors we will come back and we'll start on my story of running these very rapids and how that all went down last weekend we'll be right back i want to take a second to tell you guys about tonight's sponsor survival feeling survival feeling is a hiking brand based in greece and they offer an assortment of gear that's aimed towards the goal of helping you better enjoy your time outside. And that is, of course, what we are all about here at Wayward Stories. I really like this company for a lot of reasons, but chief amongst them is that they were founded with giving back to the community in mind. They donate a portion of all proceeds to organizations like the Wildland Firefighters Foundation to help support those who work to keep us all safe while we're out there trying to find ourselves. We've partnered with them to bring you guys a unique coupon code that will save you wayward souls 15% off of your order. Go to survivalfeeling.com and use offer code waywardstories at checkout. I think you guys will like what they have to offer and what they're all about just as much as I do. Once again, that's survivalfeeling.com and use the offer code waywardstories. Welcome back, guys, and thank you for taking a minute to listen to a word from our sponsors. Very important part of the show. Helps keep us on the air. So let's get back to the story. To the episode. Um, when you get ready to float the lower mountain fork river, you have a plethora of outfitters to choose from. There are several. Um, many of them offer different things, different um, versions of what you can do on the river. I mentioned earlier there was one that we did not float with over the weekend. We never got a hold of them. Um, but they were, they had like two options. Like you could do the upper four mile part and the lower five mile part for like $55 or something like that. Or for the same $55, they could just shuttle you back up to the whitewater part again. And you could do the four mile twice. Like there's, there's different things. You can kind of mix and match and you've got many different outfitters to choose from. We floated with Yippie Kayo kayaks because the name is freaking awesome. Yippie Kaye mother right? They were super awesome people, super friendly, knew what the heck they were doing. Um, I just love those guys. So just like shout out to them. If you guys go down, give them a crack at some of your hard earned dollars. They are, you know, the epitome of locally owned small town operation. And, um, one of the girls that was, um, 
working with us on the deal. She is an actual, she is an officer and we always support our law enforcement. Um, that's her day job. Super cool people, super cool people. So give them a, give them a look. If you go down there, give them a chance at your money. Um, but they put us on the river and we ended up going out with a group of people from Dallas. Um, I think Louisville specifically in the Dallas area. Dallas is pretty big. A lot of areas in Dallas. One of my favorite things, I've mentioned it how many times, I love meeting new people out there. And they were super cool, super friendly people. Floated vast majority of the trip with them. Um, had a good time doing it. But we got there, and we get put in above the or below the re-reg dam. You go in above below the re-reg dam, you're above the rock garden for just a second. And then you're in the rock garden. We've already given the technical description of the rock garden. But... My experience with it and our flow rate was 1,090 to be specific for any of you out there that know what you're talking about. That's um, something you can put to use as you think about this. Um, it was it was my introduction to like, I mean, obviously that river is the first thing we went through. But the very first thing I realized, we went through the first little couple of kind of runs. This river is broad, y'all. It is wide. This is like a... The rock garden is like a river wide choice. Pick your pick your rapid. There's lots of little, like it mentioned, little waterfalls, pour offs, runovers. Um, and I realized in the first two or three minutes, I was like, this is awesome. This is technical. This is kind of technical. I'm used to say like the Mulberry River. And not to say that it's not technical, but like you get some some pretty shooting rapids and you can pick a line and you take that line and you go. The way the mountain fork seemed to work out was when you get into the rapid, you have to read and run. This is very much a read and run river. You can't do a lot of scouting of it. You have to just pick the first line you can see that looks clear enough. You take that line and then halfway through the line, you realize I got to change. I got to change direction. There's rocks everywhere. There are ledges everywhere. There are one foot, two foot drops everywhere and a lot of flow, a lot of water to push you around. It's very technical. It makes you choose. You have to read and run. And that was so much fun. Like it's a different kind of river than the Mulberry, at least in this portion. And and it's again, river wide. Pick your poison. This river is probably a quarter mile or better across. So this is like just like that's the reason they call it the rock garden is there's just giant boulders everywhere all throughout it. Lots of drops, lots of ledges, and you just kind of choose and go and you have to make decisions on the fly. And that to me was like my favorite part. I was like, and I was talking to the people that I was running along with. We were talking about it after like, Hey, this is going to be fun. This kind of technical. Like you kind of have to pick it out as you go. You kind of go in blind and then you have to make those decisions while you're in it. Like it makes you use your knowledge base of whitewater, of kayaking, of being on the river. Um, and it makes you use like you have to have pretty good edge skills. You have to be pretty strong in your upper body. Like you've got to dig into some stuff to make some of these turns. It was super cool. Um, and as it turns out, and I mean, it's makes all kinds of sense but the boulder garden or the rock garden also happens to be a great place for smallmouth i caught a handful of smallmouth in just a short time because we were moving you know like you try not to hold up 
your peeps and you try to just keep going like and and you want to run along with people especially on a river where you don't really know what you're getting into you don't ever really want to be doing it alone there's safety in numbers right and there's more confidence in numbers um but i as i fished my way along um caught a few smallmouth um got several little bites um and it was just it was a great place and that kind of worked out great you do some technical runs you find a place where you can kind of get pulled back into an eddy and just hold you in place and you can start uh, fish the bottom half of the rapids catch some smallmouth it was pretty cool it was a great great little um introduction to what you were getting into and then you move on and you come up before too long you know you have a few more little things here and there before long we came up to the split in the river and they told us go left go left go left do not go right so we chose left and it turned out left was the chute and the chute the chute y'all the chute was a trip like holy cow i get up there and as we were coming closer like you're four or five hundred yards away and i'm eyeballing to my right the area they said don't go down and that's what was described um called the ledges it was the second rapid we talked about from american whitewater and it is like pick a tiny channel and hope you don't drag like it's just fingers of water pouring over through cypress trees, cypress knots, boulders, rocks. Looked awesome. I kind of wanted to do it, but I went ahead and went with the um, prevailing wisdom that was given to me, stay left. So as we go over, getting two, three hundred yards away from where the chute starts, and there are people just piled up everywhere, and they're going in one at a time. And I was like, okay, this must be a little bit of a thing because these people are, you know, actually giving each other space to try to run through. And find out why, when I get up there, it was absolute carnage. I looked down this chute, as it was described, it is narrow, it is fast moving, there are probably a half dozen to a dozen obstacles in the river, big rocks, big boulders, overhanging tree branches, and there are swimmers and boats everywhere. And for those of you that are the uninitiated, when I say swimmers, that is a term that means people who lost the boat and they are now swimming, trying to get the boat back. There were people everywhere. There were kayaks in <laughs> pushed up and pinned against rocks, against trees, and there were a lot of them. I held back as long as I could to let people, you know, clear out and get their boats back or just get the heck out of it. And it was also, you know, it's a little bit intimidating for you real whitewater paddlers out there, the people that are very serious about it and have the proper equipment and the proper training, this would be kind of nothing to you. But yeah, to you guys that do this seriously, you know, don't bang on us too hard. I'm kind of the jack of all trades, master of none guy. Like I like to go out, do a little bit of everything. So there's probably nothing to you, but for us normal folks, us wayward souls that are just normal people who are trying to get out there and get on the river, it was wrecking the heck out of a whole lot of people. And so I go in, I start down it, I batten down the hatches, I tied down my fishing rod underneath my, uh, my backpack, got everything strapped down good and tight. And I went in and right from the jump, you're moving like it, the water, it's a shoot. The water's pushing you hard and right out of the gate, guys, we're talking, it is very, very technical and you've got to have some upper body strength and you've got to have some strong edge skills. You've got to be able to work your weight 
shift your weight and, and work your boat or you're going over. And that's why nine out of 10 people were, were swimming because you have to choose as soon as you're in, there's a boulder right in front of you. You go on left or right. Well, it's kind of like chess. What's left? What's the next move after left? What's the next move after right? So you have to look at that and you have to look ahead, make your choice and make it fast y'all because you're going into the boulder if you don't make it quick and then dig into it, you know, and you're going to have to make that decision for yourself at that moment because the way the water's pushing you, it may have pushed you too far left. You may have to go left. You may not have a choice. That happened to me more than once in that run. I didn't want to go right, but I went right because it was the only way I was going without going over. And then I had to readjust. Now, which way am I going? Like it's pushing you through. This is all on the fly. And this happened over and over and over again. Um, and I was so jacked. Like I, my adrenaline was pumping so hard going through here. I was proud of myself. Like I was picking my line, you know, like I said, read and run, picking what I wanted to do next and then doing it, executing it, making it happen. Oh, it was like controlled chaos. It was beautiful, but I'm making my way through here. And I don't have, I don't even have time to be proud of myself at that moment for running it in the manner I was. And I was, I was choosing what I wanted to do and then executing what I wanted to do. And, and that's, you know, that's what you want to happen. But then I get almost to the very end. I think I've got two obstacles left that I have to navigate. And I came out of the third to last one and my nose, um, the nose, shifted too far right. The water was pushing me too far right. And I wanted to go left and there was not time to make any further adjustment. And I looked at that rock and I swear to God in my head, I looked at that rock and I said, so you, you were the bastard that takes me down. And sure enough, but I want to say this too. It turned me up on my side, but I kept the boat and I got myself righted without having to leave the boat at all and was able to throw myself back into it and ride it out of that boulder. So technically, technically, I didn't even dunk. It was just a close call that I saved, which made me even more excited about what happened in the shoot. And then managed to navigate the very last one, spun out at the bottom, looking at Presbyterian Falls, and not even time to think about how freaking psyched and jacked I was over what just happened in the shoot guys it's fast for people like us very technical and super super fun like you want to talk about getting your adrenaline pumping nobody made it through there was like two of us in my group that was in there that i had ended up with two of us survived it and it was the two of us that had by far the most experience on the river um everybody else Everyone else took a swim. Everyone. I don't think we saw anyone else in the time we were there actually make the run. And as a matter of fact, once we cleared the run, we were sitting there talking about how excited, how pumped we were. And there were just like kayaks coming out of the chute with no people and other people chasing the kayaks and trying to get them before they crossed over Presbyterian Falls because you don't really want to go over the falls not in a kayak by any means, even at a thousand CFS, it's not necessarily a keeper hole, but there's definitely going to be a hydraulic happening at the bottom and you don't want to be in it. But yeah, that's the story of the shoot for us. 
And y'all, something for you to think about and look forward to and a good dang reason for y'all to go is to experience the glory of running the shoot. Even if you don't survive it, it's going to get your adrenaline pumping and it's going to be an absolute blast. But be prepared and understand that it is significantly dangerous. Easily break bones in there, no problem. Like there's plenty of flow, there's a ton of obstacles, there's enough water moving fast enough. You can easily break something on your body. You can easily break a paddle or a rental boat and you got paid for those. Those aren't cheap, y'all. When you mess up somebody's rental boat, those are not cheap to take care of and uh, reconcile with the people you rented it from. It is serious enough for that. Just FYI. Um, And as I was sitting above Presbyterian Falls below the chute, I'm looking back upstream at the ledges, which we did not run because we chose river left, right? The first thing I can see, which would be the last thing coming through the ledges, I'm going to assume is um, the Bubba Rapid, the one they're calling Bubba. I could be wrong, but that's what I'm going to assume it is. And it looked pretty serious from the bottom side. It looked like a three to four, if not maybe just a hair more drop. There was a giant standing wave towards the towards the bottom. Um, it looked pretty serious and pretty exciting, to be honest. I kind of wanted to go back and run it river right and probably will in the future, for being completely honest. Um, but yeah, it is pretty serious. That section of the river is serious enough. It's class two plus. It says two plus for the ledges. I don't see how, and you know, who far be it from me to question AmericanWhitewater.org. Those guys are all, you know, very experienced and professionals at what they do. But I honestly don't know how the shoot doesn't qualify as something just a hair more than two. Like, call it two plus. It's not really necessarily a three, but the technicality involved. You are moving fast and you've got like a dozen decisions to make in a third of a mile. And it's it's hard, it's fast, and it's it's consequential. If you mess it up, there could be very serious consequences. Um, but it was an absolute blast. Um, so the last fall that we did, of course, was Presbyterian Falls, which you get kind of jacked about it. But I mean, it's like a three foot drop. You know, you do it and it's exciting. But if you look at it in the picture, like, you know, it doesn't look as impressive if you're looking at a picture of it or a video of it. But when you're on the water, a three foot drop is as tall as your head to your butt setting in the kayak. Right. I mean, it's like the full height of what you setting on the water is. It looks a little more impressive and it feels incredible to drop over that and, you know, not not lose the edge and actually, you know, flip the boat. And so we ran that without any issues and sat down at the bottom and talked about how jacked we were, getting the adrenaline to come back down a little bit and watching unmanned kayaks fly out of the chute and over Presbyterian Falls. So from that point on, like that is the story of running all the rapids. So from that point on, you've got flat water the rest of the way down. Um, and that part, that, that part was, it's very nice. It's a nice way, you know, like when you work out, you get in there and you run for an hour on the treadmill or the elliptical, or you're running outside and you run for an hour, two hours, how you're supposed to cool down. It's kind of what the flat water is. It gives you a chance to cool down. You can stop. There's a couple of rocks. There's at least one gravel bar we found as of this last weekend, um, that we were able to stop on, eat a little lunch do some fishing, kind of get out and swim a little bit, get the water on your body. Um, 
and just kind of chill out a little bit more. Like it's a very scenic, very beautiful stretch of the river. And as we were going down, we came across, this is, this is really cool. Um, we came across this bird. I, we always called them cranes. When I was growing up, my mother always called them cranes, but it's not a crane. I came across the name for it. Um, when I was doing this research and apparently chose to not write it down because it's not on the outline in front of me. But it's one of those birds that hangs out with the long neck, the long legs, and hangs out by the water and, you know, tries to eat fish. Well, we came across one of these guys and he was kicking it over there on this old creek that's running along. And as I'm looking at it, he's like getting into like ninja mode. Like, I'm, I'm like talking like his big long neck is going into these like poses and he looks like he's strutting. And part of me's like, man, is he like doing some kind of a, like a mating dance or something? But like, then his head goes straight up. He looks kind of like a meerkat, right? And he's walking around the edge of this little pool of water where it's coming out of a waterfall. And all of a sudden his neck, his like leg, front leg goes up. His neck comes back like a coiled spring and all of a sudden he darts into the water and he comes out with a like a full-size trout a trout that probably weighs three quarters of a pound to a pound a healthy size trout in his beak and that trout is fighting for everything he's worth and this giant bird like a boss gives a little head flip and it's face first for the fish right down the gullet. And you can see the fish flopping in this bird's neck. It was absolutely, it was disturbing, to be honest. It's a little bit disturbing in an awesome National Geographic Discovery Channel kind of way. But like, you could see it still alive, kind of like hung in this thing's throat, floating around. And finally... He like does this little move and it goes down in its stomach. And for just a minute, I could see his like the feathers on his chest moving around in a way that was consistent in my mind with that damn fish flopping around in its stomach. It was it was awesome and very, very impressive. And then he turned around in just a few short minutes and he did it all over again. I kid you not, he did it to a second trout that was somewhat smaller than the first one, but the same exact effect. And this bird, like, I mean, cold-blooded killer. Like, don't mess with the birds, y'all. Like, it, it was so impressive. And that, hey, you know, the experience that I always talk about, how much I love the experience of being outside and experiencing nature for everything that it is and what it is, that's a part of it. It's the circle of life, y'all. I had Elton John stuck in my head for the rest of the trip. I almost just started singing it, but I'm not going to. And you're welcome. Anyway. We moved on down. We floated on down further. I did some more fishing. Didn't have any more luck going on down on the flat water section, which for me, I kind of expected. I'm better at fishing, um, moving water with eddies and pour overs. Anyway, moved on down, chose our line. We chose river right and then ended up choosing, I think the wrong channel, but it wasn't one of consequence. We had no issues with it made it all the way through, come out the other side, and there's the Highway 70 Bridge. 
there's an old railroad bridge just beyond it. And that was our takeout for this section of the river and what we floated that day. And it was an absolute blast, y'all. Absolutely amazing. Get your adrenaline pumping and then give you a second to chill out before you take out on the way down. The fishing was great for the smallmouth. Um, didn't do any trout fishing in this particular section. Did that on Sunday. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but the smallmouth fishing was good. The rapids were a blast, especially for intermediate paddlers. Guys, class two, two plus, anywhere in the thousand CFS range, it seemed to be almost perfect. Something I'm going to go back and do. I'm probably going to go back and see my see my homies at Yippikayo Kayaks because they were super cool. Um, and that that was, I mean, that was the whole reason I went. But there's a lot more to do down there. And we're going to talk about just a little bit of that. Um, just below the dam and before the re-rag dam, there's a section of the river and there's a section that comes from the spillway from Broken Bow Lake. All kinds of trout in this area. They are stocked. The water is ice cold. And I'm talking like ice picks stabbing into your legs cold coming out of the bottom of the dam. The trout are happy about that and they're happy to bite whatever you're going to throw at them. So I went and after that float that day, still had some time to go up and check out that part of the river before I went and found something to eat for dinner. So we went up there and I spent a couple of hours just wading up and down, taking pictures. There's several cascades and several two or three foot um, drop waterfalls coming down from the spillway side in the Mountain Fork Park area within Beaver's Bend State Park. Easiest way to get there. It's on Highway 259A that goes into the park. Um, and went to Mountain Fork Park. And in that area, there's some picnic tables, a great place to take and have a picnic, lay in the water, catch some sun, do whatever you want to do there. But I took some pictures. Took some pictures of some waterfalls that I really loved up in there. Um, and also got to trout fishing and y'all fishing in a fast moving clear water clear cold water creek it's just one of those things in life that i just love a whole lot for me personally even if i'm not catching fish which i did not that afternoon it didn't matter because i was there waist deep in the water watching the wildlife talking to other people that were there doing the same thing as i was like it's it's a great it's a great experience. It's a great experience for everyone. Something I think that everyone should go and check out. Now, what what's going on down here in Broken Bow, okay? Um, actually, call it Hochitown. What's going on in Hochitown? It's a little bit north of Broken Bow. Back in the day when I was like 20 years old, there was nothing going on in Hochitown. It was just like, there was like a gas station. And you'd go down to fish for the week. And you would have to be sure you had enough gas for your boats, gas for your cars. From like one little convenience store now. Y'all, it's like a modern, it's like Gatlinburg or Pigeon Forge. Not anywhere near as big. Don't get me wrong. But it's like a Gatlinburg. Or or even like a Branson, Missouri. Um, It's a resort of sorts. Y'all, there are some amazing resort cabins and priced accordingly, like 300 bucks a night. But there are some beautiful resort cabins down there. There are, of course, places to take the kids. There are zip lines now. There's some zip line tours that go along the lake. Um, 
like little attractions for the kids. Like there's like, I think Hochitown mining company or something like that. And the kids can go in there and they can pan for like, you know, crystals and stuff and look for things like that. Um, so much to do there now. And it's very busy. Highway's not upgraded in recent years enough to accommodate all this traffic. And there's a lot of people from Texas there. Lots of Texas plates, by gosh. Um, mostly people from Dallas coming up because it's such a short trip for them. And it gets them out of the flat plains of Texas and out of the city of Dallas and gets them into some nature, into some trees and some mountains and some water and fish and all the wonderful things that are there. Um, but y'all, it's a totally different world. And I mean, I'm here for it, to be honest. Like Oklahoma needs that. I grew up in Oklahoma. It's a very economically depressed state. It needs things like that. And people in those really poor counties, they need employment. They need these things. And I'm all for it. Um, There are so many things going on down there now that were so cool to check out. I wasted some time around Hochitown just being a tourist for a minute. And I had dinner that night at a place called the Hochitown Saloon. Holy crap, y'all. They had like, I just got a regular old hamburger. Because you know what? After a day on the river, you got a sunburn. You, you've you not eaten enough. I haven't drank enough water. And that first meal after a day on the river is always amazing anyway. But like a greasy hamburger. It's like one of the best things you can put in your stomach, in my opinion, to help cure your sun headache. Um... And God dog, y'all, they have this hamburger and it almost tasted sweet. It was different. They're doing something different to those burgers there. It was absolutely incredible. Um, it was absolutely incredible. And I just kind of, you know, kicked around in the area for a while. And then I went back and, and knocked off for the night. The next day, got up, it was Sunday. And I could have came straight home, but ended up just going back over to um, that Mountain Fork Park area. And I just fished. All morning and part of the afternoon. Got pretty dang good sunburn. Still peeling off the top of my head. I look like I have leprosy on my bald head. That's why I'm wearing a hat tonight. Um, And just kicked it. Just kicked it. Got the sun. Hung out. Talked to people. Fished. Watched the wildlife do its thing. And actually um, ate lunch before I came home at a place called the Buffalo Grill. I, Y'all, they have this thing. They have this thing called skillet mac and cheese. And like you order it because you think, you know what? I bet mac and cheese made in the cast iron skillet is pretty killer. And then they ask you, what kind of meat do you want in it? And you're like, I'm sorry, come again? And they're like, what do you want, brisket in it? Do you want like pulled pork? Do you want chicken? And you're like, that's a choice? So I got brisket in it. And like, where has that been all my life? Like, that is one of the best meals I've ever had in my life. It's mac and cheese cooked in a skillet and infused with barbecue brisket. And it is absolutely amazing. Anyway, like we're getting into touristy, touristy, trippy type of stuff here. We need to just probably wrap up this episode and move on. But it was a great weekend. The Lower Mountain Fork River is an absolutely awesome river to get you into some really good class two whitewater, get you into some really good smallmouth fishing, get you into some really good trout fishing. And if you're into some of that other stuff, y'all, you got it there. You got zip lines, you've got OHV, you've got renting. I think you can rent OHV vehicles. You can rent Jeeps. There's all the trails. There's all the hiking. Broken Bow Lake 
itself is a beautiful destination point for many, many people. Something you guys should all go and check out. Um, And that's that for this episode. I want to thank you all for coming back and hanging out with me for yet another episode of Wayward Stories. We are still looking for your submissions to the show. Hit us up at mywaywardstory at gmail.com or you can go over to the website and submit through the contact form. Go into the website, waywardstories.com. Not a bad idea because over there, you can find our YouTube channel. You can find our private groups on Reddit and Facebook. You can find my Instagram. You can find the blog. You can find photo galleries. You can help us out on Patreon if you want. All the links are over there. Honestly, waywardstories.com, the easiest way to get to and do everything related to this project we've got going on. And um, if you would like and want to help us out, please rate, review, and subscribe. That's going to do it for this week. Once again, appreciate you guys coming out and listening. And I love hanging out with you guys. And I look forward to doing it again next week. And until then, you guys be good to each other. Go out there and find something in the world that you can do to make everything just a little bit better for everybody else. Be rocky. The mountaintop awakes.